0: Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the only podcast uh, you'll ever need. Yep. That's right. It's the only one. (laughs) You don't need any other ones. This is it. The only one you'll need. And luckily, it's the only podcast ever.
1: Yes. So So that works out. Yeah. We're so lucky to uh, be pioneers (laughs) in this uh, art form. (laughs) Uh I am Jill Chacha and I am with the artist Mercer Riley. Thank you. I am a podcast <laughs> artist. And I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> um yeah. I'm yeah.
0: Here. Uh and thanks to everyone for coming back. And we're looking at you, Ireland, because uh big thanks. To Ireland. Fuck yeah Ireland. We uh we ranked top 300 comedy podcasts. Oh yeah. In Ireland. Oh so yeah. So in our world tour which will yeah, you know, that's the goal is a world tour. We want a tour. Absolutely. We want to get this on the road. and We are artists. Do this live. <laughs> <laughs> we want to do this live. We want to art in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> we want to art in your faces. Art hard. <laughs> art loud. Yeah. So Ireland along with Argentina and Mexico and Israel, all those countries, thank you. And everyone listening, thank you. But yeah, Ireland sounds incredible to go to.
1: It sounds... I cannot wait. Fucking amazing. I went there at 19. I don't remember a goddamn thing. <laughs> not a goddamn thing. As Then then it was <laughs> as you should, or as you should not, or whatever. Yeah, sounds so I can't wait to go to Ireland and not remember it again. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to go to Ireland to be called a cunt. That's great. Yes! <laughs> Talk about the crack. <laughs> that's right. Having some good crack, uh, dun- which is the word for fun in Ireland. Yes. I, I, I don't know <laughs> if that's the exact translation. Please write us exactly how to translate it. But when someone says, um, how's the crack, they sort of mean like. The good times. How's it going? Mm-hmm. How's it, is it fun? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Different here. We'll, we'll
0: tell you how the crack is here too, <laughs> so don't <Yep>. worry. <laughs> uh, speaking of crack. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> great transition. Yeah. Best that's,
0: transition ever. That's the, that's the art part. That's the art part. Very shining through. Very creative. <laughs> Tell me about uh, your first car.
1: I you're love, you're from Texas. I am. from So Texas. you needed a car to get around. You did, and uh, I had a daddy, and uh, <laughs> like a not not a, not a sugar dad. daddy. Yeah. that's what you call your dad in the South. You call him your daddy. And uh, up here, that means something very different. And um, yeah, I was a daddy's girl, and uh, he got me a red Honda Civic. Ooh. And I loved the fuck out of that thing. Yeah. I loved it so much that I destroyed it
0: <laughs> after hey,
1: about it. a year and a half. I totaled. That's, that is a very a car. not long enough time No nope. a car. <laughs> Nope. Ah, oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So I I messed up, but technically it wasn't my fault. Uh, for legal <laughs> reasons, I will not elaborate on. There you go. Um, but I did love that car, two good, door. Um, good amazing. Times. Good times. Lots driving around. Uh yeah. Lots of crack. <laughs> Lots of skipping school. Yeah.
0: How old were you? Let's, I'm sorry, did you say how old you were? Oh, 16. 16, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, totally. And then I totaled it at 18. Mm-hmm. So. It's a good timeline. Good timeline. Good timeline. Good times. Good times. <gasps> Excuse me. Best car ever. If, you, if you're if you looking for a reasonably priced car <laughs> for a unreasonable teenager, the, uh... um, highly recommend <laughs> a Honda Civic. Honda is not a sponsor, but... Email us, Honda, at, well, that's interesting pod. <laughs> you should. I am a very safe car. I definitely told yeah. the car, but I was 100% okay. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty awesome.
0: F- Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, today's episode, 026, uh, we're going to talk about Robert Williams, the oh. first man, Oh, <clears throat> excuse me, the first human killed by a robot. Holy shit. And I brought up the car situation because... It revolves around cars, and I'm proud to say the first human killed by a robot was an American.
1: I mean, that seems about right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We are pioneers uh, in all things stupid. I think we were the first (laughs) country to fry an Oreo. I wonder. I'll have to look that up. Look it up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
0: So should we begin episode 026? Fuck yeah. All right. Uh, Let's head over to Motor City and... We're talking about the city of Detroit in the state of Michigan. Uh, Of course, it got the nickname Motor City because for a time in the early 20th century, it was the global center of the automotive industry. Fuck yeah. And it was also the hometown of Henry Ford and Ransom Olds, who was the inventor of the basic assembly line. Uh, Here they set up shop and used Detroit's location between the East Coast and Chicago to their advantage. Nice. Quote, once the motor industry began to flourish with multiple auto companies, specialists moved to the area from other cities, strengthening Detroit's businesses and weakening rival cities at the same time. End quote. And that's from theculturetrip.com. Uh, from the 20s, 30s, 40s, up until the late 1970s, Detroit's workforce was literally generations of men and women working for the Ford Motor Company whose headquarters is located in Dearborn, Michigan. Hmm. And it's a suburb of Detroit. Uh, and just west of Dearborn is Dearborn Heights. And this was the home of Robert Williams. Here we go. There you go. Uh, in 1979, Robert was a young 25-year-old man who at the time probably felt lucky to be one of the remaining employees at the Ford Motor Company's Flat Rock casting plant. Ooh, um, The motor heyday was definitely coming to an end, and although Robert was young, uh, he was a father
1: with three kids to support. That's right. People had kids. Very young. Very young. Yeah. That's all I have to add on that. <laughs> I, I I, mean, I'm in my early 30s, but... Um, And I still feel like I'm way too young, (laughs) yes, to have kids. Yeah, same. Same. Agreed. And I'm I'm guessing he was probably like 22 with three kids.
0: Uh, Yeah, if I remember his, the oldest I think was eight, eight years old. God. Yeah. Oh. So when January 25th, 1979 rolled around, it was as any other cold winter day in Michigan. And Robert showed up to the plant and took his place on the factory floor like he'd done so many other times before. But after the break, we're going to find out why this day was to make some morbid history. Stay tuned, stay tuned. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And during the commercial break, Marissa cut some pills. So that still goes along with our whole crack theme. Yes. It was, it was, I
1: did not expect. <laughs> I I have to clarify I'm not just like cutting like some <laughs> oxy I scored or something, which if you're going through that, it's okay. There are resources. But uh I did I got a special pill cutter because I have to cut my anti anxiety pills in half now. Mm-hmm. And uh as someone with anxiety <laughs> <laughs> Putting the knife through a pill is really stressful, yeah. so I had to buy this little tiny contraption that cuts it. It's like a little guillotine for your pill. But what do you know? I try it and it's a piece of crap. It's <laughs> so, a fuck you, Amazon. So it's you have anxiety about the thing working correctly now. Yeah, <laughs> and now I have anxiety about how d- do I get another one? Do I just keep dealing with the big scary knife? This what a world! A, yeah, this is your life. <laughs> this is my life. So, uh, anyways, end of story. <laughs> well, well, uh,
0: keep us, you know, keep us updated on your pill adventure. I will. I would love to. Excellent. Uh, okay, so where were we? Uh, Robert is at the factory,
1: right? Yes. Takes his
0: place onto the factory floor. Now, I'd like to show you a picture of the Flat Rock Casting Plant, and would you be so kind to give us some details about? Just like the way it looks and the size of this damn thing. Abso-fucking-lutely. All lootly right, Here is
1: a photo. This is a, a very big plant. <laughs> it is. I'm having a hard time, like, conceptualizing what I'm looking at. Okay, so it's an old photo, and it just looks like the biggest factory in the world. It looks like the size of, like, mm-hmm. like a football field or two. Mm-hmm. And, um... Since it's a factory, it's got all of the, I don't know what to call it, the chimneys? Like the stacks? The stacks, that's what we call Mm -hmm. it. The stacks, the tubing and whatnot is coming out of one side. Looks like there's a big parking lot over here. Yeah, so at the upper right-hand corner, that's the parking lot. Look how small the cars are compared to the factory it's it's this thing is huge yeah this thing is gigantic and is this another parking lot that i'm looking at it looks like maybe the electrical grid part of it i see you know it's like
0: the power supply which looks like yeah the size of a parking lot
1: which is gigantic the fact that they need like another parking lot just for the electrical (laughs) supply yeah Ridiculous. And th- it's just giant. It is It is absolutely enormous. It took
0: uh, three years to build. Uh, it takes up 3 million square feet, over 400 acres. Holy shit. Yeah. At full capacity, there's around 3,500 employees. Um, and in 1979, they focused on producing V8 engines and casting parts. And by casting, is like just what you think it is. Um, quote, manufacturing, a manufacturing process in which A liquid material is usually poured into a mold and then allowed to solidify, end quote. So we're casting. Yeah, casting. And that's from Wiki. Uh, Now, last I checked, cars have a shit ton of parts, so you need a lot (laughs) of storage once they're all made. And this is where Robert comes in.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Now, Robert was one of three operators of a parts retrieval system. Uh, And it took three people because this thing, this parts retrieval system... Was a five-story, one-ton mechanical arm. Holy shit! Yeah. Now picture that mounted on tracks, making it mobile. Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. I so okay. So what I'm picturing is like like a giant, so like a robot arm. Yeah. But also similar to, like, you know those toy machines they would have at the grocery store where you could put in a quarter yeah. and then the claw. <laughs> That's it. It's like and a- then you would get a, a shitty toy there that you are so excited about because it never happened. There you go. And uh, only, like, men in their 40s could actually figure it out for some <laughs> reason. Because they're there all day. Because yeah. they're there all day. Yeah, it's like a com- combination of the
0: two. Okay. Think okay. of a, a horrifying arm with a, uh, a graspy Graspy hand. Ooh.
1: Ooh. Graspy hand. <laughs>
0: Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, so, the arm had to get around those millions of square feet to retrieve whatever part was needed, stored away in fields of tall, densely packed rows of shelves. And every time it removed or added an item, a computer system within it kept an inventory. Okay. Now, the story here gets a little muddled. Um, On this particular day, the arm was definitely malfunctioning, but as to what the problem was exactly is not certain. Um, One account from a 1983 New York Times article states that the machine was reporting numbers that were like way off. And the only way to get an accurate count was for someone to climb up and into the shelving to get to the parts in question. Um, another account from the Ottawa Citizen, this reported that the machine arm wasn't operating fast enough, and Robert went into the shelving to get the parts himself.
1: It's so funny because i like when something's not working for me at my nice, comfortable work from home on a computer job like <laughs> i I get so grumpy, but I can't imagine if like like when my outlook isn't working right. Or slack is down. Or slack is down, and we're all like, oh, my life is over. But this is like an actual giant machine where if it's not working... All production is like, yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
0: Uh, Yeah, so because nobody wants it fucked up, Robert was asked to climb up and into the third level of a particular storage rack. Jesus. But unfortunately, no one, not the supervisor or the other two employees working with Robert fail to shut down the arm or pause the command to reach into the rack. Um, now, would you like to read from the 1983 Ottawa Citizen article titled, million awarded, $10 million awarded to family of plant worker killed by robot? Of
1: course. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Quote, the robot, meanwhile, continued to work silently and a uh, protruding segment of its arm smashed into Mr. Williams' head killing him instantly. Uh the robot kept operating while Williams lay dead for about 30 minutes his body was discovered by workers who became concerned because he was missing. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm shaking yeah. Jill right now. <laughs> she's uh, she holding me by
0: <laughs> both shoulders. <I'm> shaking yes. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine just like walking into that scene of like a massive arm just silently putting away items. And there's like a crushed human being. That is so it's haunting. Such a, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> yeah. So just to be clear, this five story one ton arm moving through the air punched Robert in the back of the head because he was looking at the parts and not aware of what was happening behind him. Uh, clearly unintentional, but quoting howstuffworks.com quote, quote, there simply weren't safeguards in place to protect Williams. No alarms notified him of the approaching arm, and no technology could alter the robot's behavior in the presence of a human. In 1979, the artificial intelligence involved wasn't sophisticated enough to do anything to prevent such a death, wow. quote. Now, you're probably maybe wondering, who made this thing? Yeah. And uh, that's a great question. The arm was designed by the Unit Handling Systems Division of Litton Industries. That's L-I-T-T-O-N. And Litton wasn't a mom-and-pop shop. They were a large defense contractor for the United States government. Wow. And they owned a shit ton of other non-military defense companies. Like, like really random shit. Like, Royal Typewriters and Stouffer's Frozen Foods.
1: No way! <laughs> I've had some good Stouffers yeah, so in my day.
0: If you had... <laughs> Stouffer's frozen foods, your, your money helps make giant arms. Wow. And that crush things. so. Damn. What, what a world, yeah. What a world. Uh, so Robert's family, rightfully so, demanded accountability. Um, there's clearly a design floor here. Uh, four years of litigation finally led to a trial in 1983. A jury of three men and three women deliberated for nearly three hours and found Lytton Industries liable for Robert's death. Fuck yeah. That's right. And a, the jury suggested $10 million for damages. And would you like to guess how much that would be in today's money? Oh my God. Uh, uh, maybe uh, 100 million?
1: <laughs> uh, close. 27. 27. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even close. <laughs> so. My original guess was 60, and I was like, higher, higher,
0: higher. Oh, man.
1: So about 27 million
0: in today's money. Um. Now, Lytton settled with the Williams family for an undisclosed amount in exchange for not having to admit negligence or any wrongdoing. But they couldn't sweep this under the mechanical rug completely, however. Once word got out about the nature of Robert's passing, it even gained the attention of Guinness Book of World Records, who knighted Robert Williams the title of first human killed by a robot. Wow. Yeah. And if you think that's bonkers, well, just two years later, around the world, it happened again. Oh, no. Yeah. In 1981, Kenji Urada was a maintenance worker at the plant for Kawasaki in Japan. Uh, a robot was malfunctioning, and to get to it, he decided to jump over a safety barrier rather than open it. Oh, no. Yeah, and that was his fatal mistake, because if he opened it, it would have automatically shut down robot operations. Oh, uh, so got it. when he approached the robot and began to repair it
1: while it was still powered, well, would you like to read what happened next? Of course. Yeah. Oh, my God. All right, quote, It pinned him against an adjacent machine. Holy shit. And either crushed him or stabbed him in the back. Other workers in the family, or in the, not in the family. (laughs) Other workers in the factory were unable to stop the machine as they were unfamiliar with the operation. Uh, End quote from Kenji's wiki page. There you go. A robot literally stabbed him in the back. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Wow. Possibly. Possibly, yes. Oh my god. And
0: the coworkers are just Watching. Watching. There's they nothing know. you can do. <gasps> yeah. Wow. So, now, to our friends out there who make robots, we really feel for you. Because when one one design flaw meets one human making a mistake, the consequences may end up in the Guinness World Record. Dang. And that's our
1: story for today. I wonder, this makes me wonder about other, like, has Siri killed anyone on accident? Ah. Huh. Or I didn't someone die playing Pokemon Go? That's happened, yeah. That's definitely That's happened. happened. People have gotten hurt uh, like, just from
0: not paying attention, yeah.
1: Yeah. I wonder, like, how many deaths iPhone is accountable for. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. We could definitely look that up. That, yeah. that could be something we do.
1: It's got to be a this. lot. Yeah. What a morbid topic to bring up yeah. as, as we, like, stare into an iPhone right now.
0: <laughs> and, and, yeah, into screens. Ooh, just something to consider, yeah. something to think about. Yeah. And uh, please keep continuing to subscribe and rate and tell your friends about this podcast. Do it. Thank you, Ireland. Thank you, everyone around the world.
1: Thank you, everyone. Y'all are the best. We yeah. have the best listeners. The absolute
0: best. Because... They're so interesting.
1: They're so fucking interesting. Bye, guys. Bye.